0: Although the claustrophobia of the city oppressed her, Caitlin felt most like a caged bird when she pushed her cart down the perfumed corridors of the pavilion luxury hotel, her longing for the Appalachian hills of a childhood of innocent trust exacerbated by the endless walls gilded with artificial light. It had been weeks since she escaped Appalachia, and sustained by anger, she'd learned that she had to blend in to survive. But she couldn't escape her longings. Finished cleaning one room, she'd hurry the short, shadowed distance of the corridor to the next, hoping the drapes would be wide apart, so that when she stepped inside, she would immediately be able to look through the floor-to-ceiling glass at the far end of the suite, to see the sky above the city, and ignore, if only for a moment the invariable crumpled bed linens, lipstick-stained cigarette butts, partially full wine glasses, and the other detritus of sybaritic living that marked the influentials who moved through this building. If the curtains were closed and the room was in darkness, Caitlin would ignore the light switch and instead fling the drapes apart to give herself the rush of freedom that came with sudden brightness. For Caitlin. The openness of the sky was a balm, allowing her to imagine she was above the clutter and noise and greediness of the city. Even then, there was cruelty in the transparency of her prison, for this brief joy also brought the need to feel the winds that had given her shivers of pleasure when, as a girl in Appalachia, before she'd understood what she would become she and her father would perch on a rocky ledge to overlook a valley and hawks on the updrafts. Despite the sheets of glass that blocked the wind from her, she would pause frequently from sorting wet towels or from wiping stains and hair off porcelain to look out again and let the view brighten her soul, letting her mind drift to those memories, wishing she could step out through the glass and into the void, wishing that wind was pushing against her face again, like the first time she discovered the reason for her instinctive yearning for height. When her drudgery in the soiled carelessness of the rich was too much and her yearning became too great to endure, she would flee to the flat roof of the hotel to stand on the hot, sticky, graveled tar among the hissing vents. She would renew her cold anger by thinking about her papa, Jordan, and how he had betrayed and hurt her. To draw on hope for strength and determination, she would turn her mind to Billy and Theo, her only friends, from Appalachia, who had escaped outside when she did. They'd planned, the three of them, to escape to the west, through the lawless lands that bordered the city-states, to reach wild, desolate territories, largely unpeopled after the wars but she wasn't ready yet. She would tell herself that Billy and Theo would wait and that she could go another day without visiting the surgeon it had been arranged for her to meet outside. Day by day, she would push aside those plans because it was easier simply to exist, and she would take what pleasure she could in this caged existence by closing her eyes to the wind and dreaming of flight, of soaring again. Standing on pebbled rooftop tar, she almost didn't hear the faint crunching of gravel behind her. But she heard the voice. I know things about you, but all I will tell you about me is my name. Everett. So you can shout my name as you beg for mercy. Caitlin whirled at the closeness of the voice. It was dusk now, and she was standing near the edge of the roof forty stories above the city. She had been soaking in the glowing filaments of orange and red among the streaked clouds to the western horizon, letting her unfocused gaze take her thoughts beyond the silhouettes of the other tall buildings of the city. Occasional currents of slight wind had swirled upward from the sun-heated city concrete, and she'd tingled each time at the sense of moving air." It was I who arranged for you to work the penthouse floors, he said. You fascinate me. I know things about you, but I want to know more. He was only a few steps away. There was just enough light to see a smile on his face, as if he'd deliberately engineered her startled response. A half-empty bottle of red wine held low in one hand, a glass of it in the other. One glass. Just for him. He paused and took a casual drink before speaking again. At the end of every day, you come here before leaving, and you come up here during the day, sneaking away from your work, often. What is it? For me, it would be the enjoyable sensation of knowing I'm above all of them. Everett lifted his bottle and pointed beyond the city wall. Illegals and industrials, living in shanties and souvies among the discards of their previous generation, serving me and those like me. Even with the work permit, you're just an invisible, not above them in any sense except when you stand up here. Is that why you come here, to pretend your life is more than cleaning up after us? She hadn't known his name, But his voice was as polished as she'd imagined, for she had seen him many times, most often accompanied by a beautiful woman as he passed her and her cleaning cart in the hallway, never the same woman twice. Caitlin found it mesmerizing, his polished appearance and the easy way he bore the acriments of wealth, the discreet jewelry, the sheen of his clothing, the thick silvering hair rumpled by design, The rimless glasses, the sheer handsomeness of a face that had lost no confidence even as the first wrinkles began to tug at the sides of his eyes. He was a separate species from her, a prince unaware of the silent servant girl, or so she'd believed until now. As he stared at her, she could not find her voice. No answer, Everett asked. Something inside her began to recoil at the secretive charm at the edges of his smile. He was standing between her and the rooftop door back into the hotel. I know things about you, he said, because I watch you all the time. Another smile. Control and pleasure. He gestured at a shiny black globe on a pole at the edge of the roof. I have an arrangement with security. Surveillance cameras everywhere. Right now, recording the two of us. Something I'll watch again and again when I have finished with you. When I have finished with you.